all the things that we have going on as men. So thank you so much. Grow Groups after the service in the breezeway. Al? The Grow Groups excited about what God is doing in our midst. Uh, I wanted to give a quick update on Ronnie Morla. Uh, we prayed for Ronnie last week, those of you who were here. Um, so he is still in need of much prayer. God has preserved his life another week, COVID uh, casualty. He's still um, in desperate need. He's had dialysis, um, and, um, but he's off his heart medication, so we're thanking God for that. But just pray for Ronnie, the Morla family, uh, Ray and Daiti. Um, right here is Daiti. And uh, so continue to pray for them. And God is moving in our midst. Uh, David is flying back from Louisville, Kentucky. They've invited him to become the new president of Southern Seminary. He turned them down, said he'd much rather be a pastor here at Palm Vista. He felt like he needed to do it in person, you know, tell Al Moeller, hey, listen, Big Al, I'm good here in Miami. No, he's not, is he, Mindy? He's taking a class, isn't he? All right, so we miss David. Corey, it is great. But I, I miss you, man. Uh, God's hand is on you powerfully. You, you, God has used you in a, in a mighty way. You're bringing the nations to us. Just your prayers. There's a, a, a strength and a vitality and a faith. Um, I, I think you guys all sense that, right? Uh, something about it when you're praying. So thank you. And Cindy, I know it's not easy having your husband gone a lot as he's traveling, literally globetrotting, which we know he loves to do. <laughs> uh, but God bless you. We're praying for you and the entire family. Amen? All right. Okay, well, welcome to Palm Vista Community Church. We are preaching through the book of Deuteronomy. We've entitled the series, Living the Promise. Living the Promise. Deuteronomy was written by Moses in 1400 B.C. to God's people in the Old Testament. Israel camped outside of the promised land. Modern-day Israel, they were right to the east in modern-day Jordan on the plains of Moab. And God had Moses preach to them a series of sermons. And so this morning we're going to read one of those sermons and preach from one of those sermons to God's people. We've entitled the message this morning, People of the Word, People of the Word. And the sermon we're going to preach this morning is in Deuteronomy 4, 1 to 40. You know what I love doing? I love seeing people that I haven't seen in a while. All of a sudden, it brings me such great joy. Thank you for coming back. Um, so where was I? Deuteronomy 4, 1 to 40. All right, you've probably been here many weeks. It's just I'm an old geezer, and I don't see like I used to once be. I can't hear like I used to once hear. Everything's breaking down here. Praise God I get a new body. Amen? All right. Hey, don't say amen so quickly, all right? This is not a bad body. What are you saying? All right. I'm not going to read the whole text, but I am going to tell you this. This text is preached by Moses to the people of God, calling them to be people of the word. And my prayer is that God would make why we're to be people of the word, why it's so important to be people of the word. God's word defines who we are and determines how we live. God's word defines who you are and determines how you live, or at least it should. So my question to you this morning, it's a question, it's a diagnostic question to kind of wake yourself up this morning. 
Whose word defines who you are and determines how you live? I'm talking functionally, okay? Let's not get all religious here on a Sunday morning. Well, it's God's word. Yeah, right. I'm talking like Tuesday afternoon at 3.30, right? Or Saturday night at midnight. Whose word defines who you are and determines how you live? Look, there's kind of three options. Really, there's two, but there's two that are three. The first option is my word defines who I am and determines how I live. You know, that word that rumbles around in my head every day, right? Telling me who I am, who I'm not, who I'd like to be, and determining how I should live. You know, I'm kind of like I'm my own word, right? Or someone else's word rumbles around in my mind, across my television screen, in a podcast, on the pages of a book. And it defines who I am, and it determines how I live. Kind of clump those two as one source, one word, and that's man's word, right? Okay, then there's God's word. There's God's word. God's word determines and defines, it defines who we are, and it determines how we live, or at least it should. God's people, right? Remember, this is the the big picture statement over Deuteronomy. God's people live God's promise. For them, it was a land. For us, it's the kingdom. By God's word. God's people live God's promise by God's word. So if we're the people of God, then we should live by the word of God. And that is, in fact, the thesis of our text this morning. God's people live by God's word. God's people live by God's word. That is the purpose of Moses' sermon in Deuteronomy 4, 1 to 40. How can I say that? Because the very first verse speaks that purpose, and the very last verse speaks that purpose. Look at Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1 on the screen. And now, O Israel. So, he's speaking to Israel, the people of God in the Old Testament, 1400 B.C., and he's speaking to Israel, us. We're the Israel of God in the New Testament because Israel is always a picture and a type of God's people who are in covenant with God because God makes the covenant. Deuteronomy is a covenant document, and it's a covenant God makes unilaterally. Thank God for that. When we break it, he keeps it always in Christ. Okay? So, verse 1. And now, O Israel... Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you. That's the word of God. Moses has just finished giving them the law on Mount Sinai. So these are the statutes. These are the statutes. Oh, man. Welcome back. Whew. It's got to be a really good sermon now if you're here, okay? (laughs) The statutes and rules. I'm not easily distracted at all, am I? Okay. The statutes and the rules that I'm teaching you and do them that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Now jump to the last verse of our text. Bookends here, verse 40. Therefore, you shall keep his statutes. This is the punchline of the sermon. What's the therefore, therefore? After all these preach, this is the summary of the sermon. Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments. It's, that's the word of God which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for our 
all time. So Moses preaches a sermon and tells his people, you are God's people. Put that up back on the screen, please, the thesis. You are God's people, therefore live by God's word. And Moses is simply echoing what the greater Moses, the one to whom Moses was pointing, said when he was on earth. Jesus, 1,400 years later, speaks these words to God's people. He spoke them in response to the devil's temptation in the wilderness. Jesus, in Matthew 4, 4, on the screen, says the following to God's people. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you live by every word that comes from the mouth of God? Does God's word define who you are and does it determine how you live? Now, we all know that Israel then, in 1400 BC, failed to keep the word. It didn't define who they were ultimately. It didn't determine what they did ultimately. They found themselves giving themselves to false gods and false idols and breaking God's law. But here's the good news. The one who uttered it, In the first century A.D., he uttered it not just as a preacher. He uttered it not just as a rabbi. He uttered it not just as a great leader, maybe the great leader of all the world. He uttered it as the Word made flesh. John 1.14. This is where the gospel sings to us this morning. This is where the gospel comforts us this morning. Oh, God is holy. Oh, God calls us to be people of the word who live by his word. And when we fail, then God himself stepped into history as the word made flesh, the word incarnate, John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory the glory we lost in the garden, the glory we forfeit, the glory we try to hog and make our own, the glory we throw away through our piddly little pursuits, the glory of God. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God's Word defines who we are. God's Word determines how we live. Point one, God's word defines who we are. Back to Moses' sermon in 1400 B.C. We read in verses 5 through 8. Imagine Moses preaching. Imagine the people listening. Have a seat right next to one of them. See, I have taught you, Moses says, statutes and rules. These are the Ten Commandments. Moses is preparing them for the law that he's going to expound in in chapters 5 through 26, the law that I'm going to expound next week. I'm going to be preaching to you the Ten Commandments. He's expounding the law. He's not just doing it so that they would have knowledge. He's doing it. He says, this law defines who you are, not your friends, not your own brain. You don't make up who you are. You don't make up who God is. This law defines it. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Remember the context. For them, the promise was a physical land. For us, the promise is the kingdom of God. Keep them and do them 
For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples. This law defines you. I defined you as a nation on Mount Sinai when I gave you the Ten Commandments and I gave you all the law. This is the law that defines and sets you apart. Who, when they hear, who's the they? The peoples. When they hear all these statutes, will surely say, This, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. May they say that of us, church. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what Christ has done. Verse 7. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Moses, I think, is prophesying in 1400 B.C. what Jesus came to fulfill in the first century A.D. The word came flesh and dwelt among us. This word is alive. The word is a person. It's not just facts. It's not less than that. It's not just principles and statutes and laws. It's not less. Than, it's the living word. That's my hope in yours, buddy. When I break it, Jesus came to fulfill it and die on the cross to take my penalty because God's faithful to his word that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today. See, see, the word of God not only defines who we are, it defines who God is. God is near us. Jesus is the word, incarnate, the word made flesh. And for that reason, as God's people, we live by God's word. And listen, part of that, he says it in verse 2 here of Deuteronomy 4, 2. I don't have that scripture up there for you. You can look at it in your Bibles. We need to be careful not to add to the word, and we need to be careful not to subtract from the word. See, Satan comes in to add to the word. Satan comes in to say, you know, did God really say you should not touch the fruit? No, he didn't. He said, don't eat it. Oh, God didn't say you would die. You're not going to die. I'm, by the way, I'm now recounting at creation when Satan tempted Eve. He lied to her. Oh, you're not going to really die. <laughs> Oh, yes, you will. See, we're tempted to add to the word. We're tempted to say, oh, if you're a Christian, you've got to do this. Look this way. Sing these songs. Do this. Do that. We add to God's word. It's called legalism. And then we subtract it from God's word. Oh, God knows if you really love him, it's okay if you sleep with him. But you're not married. That's good. It's all about you. No. No. We dare not add to it in a legalistic, moralistic way, and we dare not subtract from it in a licentious way. God's word is God's word. God's word defines you. You don't define yourself. Sorry. And God's word determines how you live. It's, you don't get to pick and choose. Let me just go first person. I don't get to pick and choose the ones I'm comfortable with. God's word isn't like some self-help book that I read and underline a couple of lines, hey, I think I'll adopt that in my life. It'll make me feel good. No, no, God's word determines me. The good news is the one who determines me died for me. <laughs> He's not some self-help guru who's getting rich off of me. He became poor that I might become rich. He's the creator. Jesus transforms us Jesus reveals to us who God is. Jesus speaks to us. God's word defines us. Oh, church, don't you see the gospel trail here? Moses says, be careful to obey this law, 
this word so you might possess the land. What does Jesus say? Go and make disciples of the nations, teaching them to what? Obey all that I've commanded you. He's the greater Moses. He gains us entrance into the land, but he calls us to be defined by that word. Point two, God's word not only defines who we are, but God's word determines how we live. <laughs> Listen, they go together. You can't separate these two. If you separate these two, you do violence to the fabric of Scripture. Because God's word defines who I am, God's word determines how I live. If God's word, if you reject the, the truth that God's word defines who you are, then you won't really allow God's word to determine how you live. They go together. See, God's word defines who God is. And God's word calls us to worship God. Look at verses 23 and 24 on the screen. Take care, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you. When did God make the covenant? Well, the covenant began before this time. The covenant was at the very beginning. The covenant then matured through Abraham, and now the covenant is maturing and taking more shape through Moses, and the covenant has, has been made now through the law given at Sinai, and now Moses is preaching to the second generation, but it's the covenant that God made. And he's saying, don't break the covenant. Don't forget the covenant. I determine how you live. And how are they breaking it? And make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Not a petty jealousy like we would see it. No, it's, it's, it's I am God, and I'm jealous for you to worship me because if you don't, you die. If you don't, that is less than the best for you. It's that kind of jealousy. He's a consuming fire. He's holy. But here's the good news. Here's the gospel in all of this. Because God's word defines us, God's word determines how we live, and how we live is to worship God. It's to don't forget. Don't forget who I am. Don't create out of your mind or pick out of other people's minds your definition of who you are and your definition of who I am. That's the type that is being pointed to in these idols that they were tempted to create, whether it's the golden calf at the time of the giving the altar, uh, the law 40 years earlier, or if it's at a place called Baal Peor, no time to go into details. You can read about it in the sermon, which was located right where they're at now, where a couple of them went into the house of Baal and started worshiping the God of Baal while they're waiting to go into the promised land. I'm so glad that's there. Because I can find myself worshiping at the altar of Al right before I come into this church to preach to you. Can I be honest with you? One of our folks that sings on the worship team, Led us in a prayer this morning, right up there. 
we meet at 10, we, we call it the holy huddle, and we plan the service, make sure, you know, we get all the signals right. It's kind of like in football, we all get in the huddle. Oh, I'm not supposed to use football analogies, am I? How can I not use football analogies on the first day of college football? That's cruel and unusual punishment, especially when you're a mighty Gators fan. Um, and so at the holy huddle, and, and that person prayed this, God, may we use our voices not to draw attention to us, but to sing to you and bring you glory. And I pulled that person aside. And I said, that prayer was for me because I can create my God in my head that says, hey, I want everybody to think that Big Al is a great preacher. That's idolatry, my friend. Where do you worship your idols? What thought do you have of God or yourself that's erroneous and false? See, see, God deter- God's word determines how I live because God's word calls me to worship God, not my creation of God, not my thought of God. And secondly, God's word determines how I live, calling me to a lifestyle of repentance. Look at verses 29 to 31. If you're a Christian, then you live a lifestyle of repentance. If you're a Christian, you live to worship God, not your idea of God, not yourself, not your glory, not your comfort, not your bank account, not your image. Worship God. And then you're called to repent when you don't, and we all don't. That was bad English. Sorry, Katrina. But look at verses 29 to 31. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God. From where? See, in his sermon, he's saying you're going to fail to worship God, and God's going to scatter you across the nations. Rapha read about that in Jeremiah. But because God's faithful to his covenant, he's going to rebuild the city. So what God is saying, when you fail to worship me, when you fail to allow my word to determine how you live, when you live however the heck you want to live, I'm not going to totally reject you because you're my people. I'm going to discipline you, and I'm going to scatter you among the nations. And then when I do, do the following. Here we go. Here's the gospel. But from there, from where, and all the nations that you're scattered, you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul when you are in tribulation. Anybody feel like they're in tribulation these days? And all these things come upon you. In the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. Here we go. For the Lord your God is what? A merciful God. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He's a consuming fire. And he's a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. I am faithful to my covenant word, live by my covenant word, and I will fulfill my covenant word. Listen, Christian, God said this. He said this to us. I will present you blameless in Christ at that final day. I said it. I'm going to do it. Now, there may be a lot of discipline between now and then, and it may be highly uncomfortable, but Christian, he will present you. So I repent, I repent. And finally, God's word determines how we live. We worship God. We live a lifestyle of repentance and thank the Lord that he's merciful. He came in Christ to pay for our sins and to give us his righteousness and to empower us to obey his word, to make disciples. And finally, we declare his greatness. Look at verses 35 to 39. God's word 
determines how we live, and we live to declare his greatness. Verse 35. To you, it was shown that you might know the Lord is God. What was shown to them? The law. What is the law a picture of? Jesus. Moses spoke to them from the fire. We're about to read in a second. Jesus speaks to us face to face through his word. We've been shown that for a reason. So we might worship him, repent before him, and declare his greatness. Reading on. That you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. Out of heaven he lets you hear his voice. Jesus is the fulfillment of this. He's the word made flesh. Out of heaven, he lets you hear his voice that he might discipline you. He disciplines his children. It's a good thing. And on earth, he lets you see his great fire and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. That's how God spoke to them at Mount Sinai. The mountain quaked. There was fire. They said, oh God, please don't talk to us face to face. Talk to us through Moses. A picture of Christ. And he does. And because he loved your fathers, covenant faithfulness, and chose their offspring after them, you guys sitting on the plains of Moab, you guys sitting in these seats right now, and brought you out of Egypt. He brought them out of physical Egypt. He brings us out of spiritual Egypt, darkness and sin and death. By his great power, Jesus Christ, the gospel is the power of God for salvation, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you. Yes, there is no power today. No matter how horrific or horrible or brutal, any regime, any person, they're nothing compared to God. No power of darkness in the heavens above, on the earth, or below the earth. To bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance. Jesus' reward, as Corey preached several weeks ago, is our inheritance. We sang it. It just sensed the spirit just moving in us when we sang that. You guys all started shouting. No one cued you to do that. It's because the truth got into you. As it is this day, know therefore today. What's that therefore, therefore? Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. It's a fool's errand to look for your salvation in yourself, in others, or in anything else. The God alone. Jesus alone. There is no other. There's no name above heaven, upon this earth or in the heavens above or below by which you might be saved. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. Here's the appeal, church. That we would live as God's people by his word. That we would live as God's people by his word. Because there is none other. Because he's called us into relationship with himself. Because he defines who we are. Because Jesus is the word in the flesh, the word incarnate, who died on the cross for our sins, who rose from the dead for our justification. Because he's here with us right now by his spirit. Because all of that is true. Friends, may we be people of his word. May, may you live by God's word, not man's word. May you speak the truth of God's word to yourself and to others as you trust Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. 
May you live by God's word as you worship God alone by seeking him with all your hearts, knowing that he is merciful. He draws us. He enables us to seek him. He puts it in our hearts to seek him, and then he rewards us for seeking him. What a God we serve. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us, Christian, because he's faithful to his covenant. So let us live by God's word and God's word alone as we declare his greatness. Church, there is no God like our God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that that you've given us this rich treasure. How can we in any way pay you back? We can't. But, oh, Lord, we can value it for what it is. Please forgive us when we fail to value the treasure of your love and your covenant and your word, Jesus. Forgive us when we try to define ourselves apart from your word. Forgive us for our pride and our arrogance. Lord, set our brothers and sisters free who are being deceived now and beguiled by the enemy of our souls who are trying to define themselves outside of your word. They're trying to to determine how they live outside of your word. Lord, they're caught and they're miserable and they go around and around in circles and we know that that is no life to live. Lord, set them free now. If you're thinking of someone in your mind, just to speak their name to God, that God would set them free from the bondage of sin and Satan and the deception. Lord, may we be humble servants who demonstrate your word that we declare greatness, not the greatness of this church. We declare your greatness. You alone are great. And we value the treasure that you've given us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's declare that greatness as we sing this song. How rich a treasure we possess. What 